Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Good evening. How's everyone doing? Good. Hey, well, my name is Philip, one of the pastors here at Awakened Church, and uh, we are in a series right now called Better Together. How many of you guys have heard at least one week of this series so far? Two weeks? Good news, guys. It's online. So there you go. That was my little plug for the night. Uh, but in all seriousness, Obviously, we know that sometimes things come up on Saturdays. Uh, that's the uniqueness of us having a Saturday worship gathering is that at times you have things that come up, whether they're family, work, friends, uh, events that uh, unfortunately cannot be moved, whether it's a wedding, uh, birthday parties, things like that, kids event. Uh, and so w- although we obviously immensely celebrate the importance of the gathering in this space that we have together, we also obviously believe that the church is far bigger than just this moment of gathering. And so you having a moment to still uh, spiritually connect to us through the podcast, it's on uh, Apple Podcasts as well as through Spotify, that's available. And then obviously your, uh, your belonging to a missional community is where really the heartbeat of our church will always exist. And so hopefully there's a combination happening of those two spaces. And then also uh, one that we don't talk a whole lot about from this uh, space regularly that we're going to talk a little bit tonight is I hope that you are finding ways to intentionally connect with people on a more personal level, right? I mean, how many of you guys would look around the room and you would say, there are people in this room that are my closest friends, people in this room that I do life with very regularly. It's one thing to attend a church gathering with them. It's another thing to belong to a missional community with them. It's another thing when you say those people are my brothers or sisters and we do life together. And if we want to be better together in community, we start talking about it in week one, about how, what does it really mean for us? And yes, this is a DNA series for us as a church. It's absolutely critical to the the heartbeat of what it means for us as as a church to exist in community together. If you were here for our first week, we had a whiteboard up and we had a whole conversation about what are some of the benefits that we gain from living in community. And we also had an honest conversation about Man, community is hard. What are some of the things that makes living in community difficult for us as a church, people in general for that matter? And so as we kind of continue in this series, I'm going to kind of lay out for you tonight what I hope is a a fresh, honest conversation, but also one that maybe will challenge and convict us a little bit about ways we can grow into this further. And really the conversation is going to center around this, this piece of health. What does it mean for us to be a healthy church as it pertains to community tonight. There's a really big difference between what a healthy church looks like and what a perfect church looks like. Uh, Newsflash, there's no such thing as a perfect church, uh, and the ones who portray themselves as perfect, usually there's a lot of skeletons in the closets pretty fast, right? We're not seeking to be a perfect church, we're seeking to be a healthy church. And within what it means for us to be a healthy church, we have to have the conversation start and end with what does it mean for us to be a community, a body of people together? 
And so the first question I just want to ask you is a kind of reflexive question tonight, kind of throughout the night. I want you to answer this question internally. What do you feel like, or sorry, do you feel like your role in this church at Awaken is critical or not? Do you feel like your role as a part of Awaken, whatever you define what that role is, right? Are you someone who is someone who comes uh, periodically? Are you someone who's still checking out Awaken? Are you someone who's said, I want to be a partner of Awaken? So you've said those three things. I want to belong to a missional community. I want to serve regularly. And I want to give faithfully. I'm a partner of Awaken. Do you feel like your role uh, in, in one of the ministry teams that you serve in, do you feel like your role within your missional community is critical? Do you feel like you are a critical part of this church? Yes or no? Right? It's a rhetorical question, obviously. But just think about that for a second. And, and I bet that just human answer very simply is, I'm not that important. Right? Not really. They wouldn't miss me if I wasn't here. Which may very much drive the decisions that you make pertaining to this community. If the initial gut reaction you have to the question of, do you view your role here at Awaken as critical or not, drives you to the answer or to answer the question of, it's not really that big of a deal if I'm a part of the missional community. I have a little bit of a headache, not really worth it tonight. I was going to meet a friend for coffee, but eh, we'll reschedule, not that big of a deal. I was going to show up to the gathering, right? I was going to help serve and forge kids, but you know what, they'll find someone else. I'm not really that important. Any aspect of community that you are a part of in this role, if your gut reaction is, I'm really not that important, you've already dismissed the work that God wants to do within this community. So how can we have a conversation about how effective your role can be in the greater community that God is calling us to as a church if the enemy has already eliminated and created a foothold of doubt that you're not effective in your own church family? So if we're going to be better together, having a conversation that you are absolutely a critical part of this church, that your role here is absolutely critical to us joining arms and joining hands together so that we can love and care for each other so that we can go out and accomplish the work that God's called us to as a church. And some of those things are awakened specific, right? We have every year a vision series. We talk about things that we're excited about God's doing. Man, we want to see missional communities in all of the tri-cities here on the south side of the Hampton Roads area. We want to see missional communities in Chesapeake and in Norfolk over the next couple of years. We want to see God uh, help us, whether it's adopting or helping to start other church plants or other missional communities we want to be a part of. There are some things that we want to see God do. But we're never going to get there if the very first question that we ask ourselves is, hey, are you a critical part of accomplishing that vision? And you're like, yeah, not really. The enemy has already won that very first conversation. And I was thinking so much about that critical question this week around this sermon. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this question, but just for me, it hits really hard because it's really difficult as a human for me to think through how do I do life in a community and how do we as a church become healthier and embody what it means to be a healthy church if there are people in our, in our church family and myself even at times included in that where I feel like I'm not really that important. Nobody will miss me if I'm not here. I'm not asking you to swing to the other end of the pendulum like, they need me, right? Stretch your stuff, right? Walk around like you're this critical piece. 
But at the same time, there's something absolutely powerful about having the spiritual confidence that God has put you here for a reason, that you are called by God to be a local missionary in this community, empowered by the Spirit to join hands with other people here to carry out what God wants to do. And if you have that perspective and that that empowers your decision-making from the moment that you get up to the ways that you interact with people in this community, to the ways that you serve your coworkers, the ways that you love your spouse, love on your kids, the ways that you lead and live missionally, it absolutely will come back to that question of what do you think your role is and do you think you're important? So if that was the question for you that triggers something tonight, maybe just write it down. Because to me, I think that's a really, really important question that maybe all of us this week should come back to at some point. What do I view my role as? And if, if for you... I'm spending way too much time on this question. I'm already going to get in trouble tonight. But if for you, that's something that you have a hard time with, please come find me. Please, let's, you and I, will sit down, we'll grab a coffee, a beer, a dinner, whatever you want. We'll figure out this week how to find time for you and I to get on the same page with helping you journey through. With, I may not have the right answer, right? But I will be a fellow journeyman with you in the process, and we will absolutely help you figure out what is your role here within this community and how can God use you to advance this community and also what God's trying to do through this community. All right, we got to move on or else I'll spend a lot more time on this. So tonight, we are talking about what it means to be a healthy church. And I thought, man, if there's one core piece that when I think about what a healthy church does, the very, and this is going to sound super cheesy for a second, but stay with me, the word that I kept coming back to is idea of love. If I had to pick one thing for me that as I thought about, man, what do I want to see in a healthy church? Any form or phrase, if you had to like spider web it out, right? Everything kind of came back to the central piece of love. How I loved each, how I love people within this community, how I love the world around me, how I love my leaders, how I love my volunteers, how I love the kids in this church, how do I love, that's what I was thinking about was how, how does the world see our love and how does how do I treat other people within this community, right? And so there's this passage that is used a lot of times in or a lot of times within the church. It's a very popular uh, verse, and I want us to kind of sit in this for just a minute tonight. It's found in John 13. It's up here in the slides, starting in verse 34. Jesus, Jesus speaking. He says, "So now I'm giving you a new commandment: love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world." that you are my disciples. Now, there's something that's very core, fundamental to the teachings and the way that Jesus presents the gospel, this idea of what the kingdom of heaven looks like, that's wrapped up in this passage. And it's very easy just to copy and paste this verse and to say, okay, God wants me to love other people, love people within the church, so the world can see our love, right? Got it. Cool. Copy and paste. There's something very, very core to this verse that I think sometimes we, we bypass in the process, and that's that God is a relational God. We talked last week about this triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. There's this triune community that takes place within how we understand, the, the, how we understand who God is. And maybe understand is probably even the wrong word because we really don't understand it, right? But the reality is, as we serve this triune God, there is something absolutely core and fundamental to almost everything that Jesus teaches, the parables that he shares, 
the interactions he has with other people, it's about this relational love. Understanding how the Trinity works in relationship to each other speaks volumes. Understanding how Jesus relationally loved people he came in contact with is about very much wrapped up in this verse. We so often, when we think about love, it's highly conditional. No matter how you want to phrase it, even to your spouse, the people that you should quote-unquote love the most, or your kids, love is conditional for us. There is no such thing as human unconditional love. There's no way at times for you to be completely impartial, have no false motives, and for you to not have any impure thoughts around what you're doing. It's not possible. If you figure it out, let me know. But I, I'll speak for myself. It's not possible for Philip. If you guys have figured it out, please come let me know. But that's the beautiful thing about what Jesus is inviting us into is that as we love each other through the power of the Spirit, there is something that we tap into that absolutely has no false motives, has no impure thoughts associated with it, that there is this pure love that we get to channel from the Spirit, not from you and I, not from our flesh, but to the world around us. And when the world sees that kind of love, Jesus says it changes things. When the world sees a kind of love that is channeled through the power of the Holy Spirit, it absolutely changes things. Before Jesus ascends back up to heaven, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus sends out his disciples with his final command. It's not up on the screen. I'm just going to give it to you, uh, paraphrase. He says, right, go into all the earth. But he starts saying, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he doesn't just say, just go do it. He says, you will receive power as you go. That power is this power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to combine those two thoughts tonight for one second. And if you're a note taker, I want you to do concentric circles for me for a second. So your first smaller circle, just write Jerusalem or write J, right? Your second one I want you to write is Judea slash Samaria. And then your third one is to the ends of the earth. Three concentric circles. And I want you tonight, whether it's as a responsive station for you, or even if you're distracted and not listening to me tonight, that's okay. I want you at some point tonight to connect these two passages. Who is God calling you to love in each of these three spheres? So your Jerusalem is people within Awaken. This is your church family. Who is God calling you to specifically love on? Go, not just, hey, how are you doing? That's great, let's start there, right? But like, let's... Let's be mature people. Let's get beyond the, hey, how are you doing, right? How can you love on that person? Who is one person that for the next week, two weeks, from now to the end of the year, that you're going to say, I'm going to be highly intentional with how I love on this person? So who, who is that person or family unit, whatever you want to do, within your Jerusalem? The second thing is your Judean Samaria. Now, these are people that are part of your missional community who may not, uh, they're more fringe people, people that are maybe on the outside still, or people that are in your places of work, neighborhoods, or schools. So they're absolutely connected to your community. They're not some random stranger person. They're a part of your overlap of what you, who you see regularly. Who is someone within your greater community who would, at this point in time, not say they're a part of the family of Awaken? that God's calling you to love on. They can be a believer or not. That's not relevant to that question. 
But who is God calling you to love on? That's outside of your church family, but within your regularly connected sphere of influence. Your Judea and Samaria. And then third and finally, who is the person that doesn't love Jesus in your life? Go out to no borders here, right? Who is the person in your life that doesn't love Jesus, or doesn't know Jesus yet, rather, I should say, that you are going to be called to love for the next few weeks? We have this basic biblical principle that we use a lot here at Awaken. It's called a person of peace, someone that God has called you to stay with. And if you read that passage in Luke chapter 10, Jesus talks about to sit and stay until you are then allowed to leave that place. What's the relationship of someone who doesn't yet follow Jesus, who doesn't yet believe in Jesus, that you are called to love on intentionally? So three people or three family units, right? It's not super complicated. It's not some elaborate strategy. It's just basically how can you love someone in your church, someone in your community, and someone who doesn't know Jesus? And how are you going to be intentional about that? A healthy church is constantly finding people in all three of those spheres and actively loving them. A healthy church is not a church who has phenomenal Bible studies, has great sermons, has anointed worship, has exceptional kids ministry. I love it. Those are great things. We want to have those things. But if that is your definition of a healthy church, please join me in expanding your view. Because a church is a body of people who choose to love each other and they embody that in how they love the world. And I guarantee you that if we were to all commit to loving people in all three of those spheres, it would drastically change how the world sees Christianity. Right? Think about it for one second tonight. If you were to do a poll, right? Barna does this pretty regularly every couple of years. They do a poll. Uh, they're a, a research group on what are the common words associated with Christianity. And more times than not in the last several years, words like judgmental, homophobic, condescending come up when describing who a Christian is. Not generous, loving, hospitable, peaceful. I don't really care tonight about what your theology is on certain principles. That's not what we're going to do. In fact, I would just say in general, the big C church, the global church, if we would get behind just simply living into the one another's, there's 50 of them, give or take, in the New Testament. If we were to all just simply do those, then our opinions and beliefs around at times the movement of the Spirit or how we uh, help the orphans and the widows or what, what missions work you're called to or I'm called to, those things will become all secondary conversations that are really helpful to have. But if we were to live into and embody these one another's, the world would see the true, authentic brand of Christianity that stems from what Jesus designed all in the beginning when you read through the Gospels. I love, David, that you're walking through Mark. If you just read through the Gospels, right, collectively, we're going to sit in two passages tonight, all from Jesus. I'm not anti the other guys, right? But Jesus says it very clearly. If we learn to love each other, the world will see something that's unlike anything else out there. So, four phrases tonight I want to give you about what a healthy church is. If you want to again write these down, we're going to kind of talk just about each of these for a second. These are simple and I think powerful. And for me, these are things that I want to see a 
can do. So if, if you're asking, like, what are some next steps for us as a church? Here you go. Here's my four things I thought of, right? Number one, a healthy church, in a healthy church, people take things personally. Now, what does that mean? It means that when I walk into the bathroom and there's toilet paper on the floor, I pick it up and I throw it away. When I see someone that new walks in that door and I'm not a greeter, I get up and I say, hey, my name is Philip. Nice to meet you. When I see a mom in my missional community struggling, juggling two, three kids, and she's having a hard night, hey, can I hold your baby for you for a minute? Not because I see you struggling, but because I love you. Hey, something seems off. Can I bring you dinner tonight just to make your life a little bit easier? I take things personally because this is my church. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I'm on staff. I take things personally because this is my family. So if you walk into my home and I'm not hospitable, that's a reflection of me. If you walk into my missional community and you feel like you're a foreigner and not a part of our family, that's on me. That's not on Leah and Neil who lead my missional community. That's my problem. I didn't do something right. These are not things that I'm saying here, and it's really dangerous because I have to be the one to communicate it, and I'm also a pastor. So disconnect Philip the pastor from this conversation for a second. All of us in this room, if you call Awaken your home, one of the ways that we will be a healthy church is when you choose to take things personally. It's not someone else's thing to do. It's not someone else's problem to solve. If you've ever worked in a business, it's very common for any healthy, strong uh, leader to basically say, hey, look, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions, right? You guys have heard it before. This is my version of bring me solutions. Take it personally. What can we do to all own it? No church is perfect. No church has it all figured out. I don't care how well we systematize, we structure things, we pay people, we do ministry in certain ways. At the end of the day, if we don't take it personally, we will never be a healthy church. If you don't see someone outside greeting, get your butt outside. Grab a jacket. I don't care if it's cold outside. Grab some coffee, right? Like, these are the things that, and I'm talking about things pertaining to the gathering, but I, I mean in general, right? At your MC, on Facebook, when you see a friend hurting, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Looks a little crazy. Jump in, right? Head first. If we're not willing to get into the mess to help solve the problem, take things personally, we will never be a healthy church. Now, I think our church does moderately okay at this. I'll give us a C plus. There's a lot of room for growth. Sorry for the honesty tonight. Not really. All right, number two. In a healthy church, community becomes preventative. There are a lot of things in my life, and again, I'm already getting countdown, so there's a lot of things in my life that I will just tell you, I would list them, a ton of them tonight, that if I wasn't in healthy community, I would have made a lot of stupid decisions. When I'm a part of a healthy community, it causes me to take preventative actions so that I don't make dumb decisions, right? Let's just be really frankly tonight. The more that I'm in community, the more that I'm in a healthy body of believers, people who love me and care about me, 
the chances of me making dumb decisions, feeling isolated, having anxiety, they go down a lot. Now, it doesn't solve everything. Community is messy, right? It's hard. We've already addressed that. We know that's true. But I promise you, and all of us will be a living testimony to this, I guarantee if I were to pull any person here, when you have been in healthy, strong community, it has absolutely helped you prevent certain disasters in your life from occurring. So if we know that to be true, and if you want to debate me on it, I would love it. Let's, let's have a conversation, not right now, but later, right? But if you know that to be true, then why aren't you in community more? If we know that it's preventative, if we know that it helps us grow, if we know that it helps keep us safe, clean, and close to the Lord and to each other, then why are we not making community one of our primary focuses? Why are we not gathering regularly? Why are we not breaking bread in homes regularly? Why am we not hanging out more often together? If we know this intellectually, then why is it not always happening? And I'm not saying, again, that this is a, I'm not saying why is it not happening. I'm just saying, that why are we not doing this more often? And this is, a, this is a big C church problem, not just an awakened thing. And this is an area that I do think we do pretty well at. I'll give you an A minus on this one, right? So good job, guys. These are just my random grades. You don't have to listen to me. I mean, you do for right now, but number three. In a healthy church, people live out the one another's. We've already talked about this one already, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But in a healthy church, people live out the one another's. Do a Google search this week on the phrase one another's in Scripture. Let me just give you a few examples. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. That's a new concept. Live at peace with one another. That's pretty easy to do. Serve one another. Love one another. Right? All of these one another's, if you were to live out these one another's in community, it would absolutely cause this healthy movement within the church. And then finally, this is kind of the result. In a healthy church, love draws in others. There's something absolutely contagious and transformative that happens. When we love each other, it draws people in. When you choose to rake your neighbor's yard, another neighbor saw that. They're inspired to do the same thing. Right? How many of you guys ever heard of the pay it forward concept, right? I buy coffee for you. You didn't know it was me. Oh, that's nice. I should probably do that sometimes. I'll do that next time. Right? This idea of paying it forward. How we do that within true biblical love is absolutely captivating to people. So for us as a church, those are the four things that I would love to see us do to either A, continue to be healthy or to grow in being healthier. Is that fair? Can we agree to that? All right, the last thing I want to read tonight for you is from John 17. And this is the prayer that Jesus prays for he's taken. And at the very end of his prayer, he prays for the future believers. And there's this beautiful moment where I just I pictured Jesus aware of obviously the final moments of before he's taken, emotional, and pleading with his father who he's one with that the church would live it out. So read this with me. John 17, verse, starting in verse 20. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be all be as 
will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Stop for one second. Go back to that first verse. At the end of that first verse, he says, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. They have to go tell the message. The good news is through the disciples, right? You're here because they told the message. The next generation will be here because you tell the message. What's the good news look like to your Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria? I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Perfect, not flawless, perfect, complete, whole. That the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. We don't need some fancy new church ministry. We don't need some great campaign for something. If we choose to love and do it in unity, I promise you, I'll bet you whatever you want, I'll bet the farm on it, that the world will see something different. If you want your missional community to grow, then be united and love other people. If you want to see your neighbor come to know Jesus, then as your family, like your, your nuclear family, unify and love them practically. When people come face to face with a loving Jesus that is here to save and not condemn, it is undeniable. I want to read you a quote here. It's a guy by the name of Hugh Halter. He writes a lot about this idea of being gathered and scattered. It's a very big part of even the series tonight. And I read this quote in this I have to use this quote tonight. I want you to hear it with me. Hugh says, the more we do together, the less individualistic we'll be. The more we become one with Christ, the less consumer-oriented we'll be. And the more we do for others, the less materialistic we'll be. Just take the one step. Who's your Jerusalem? Who's your Judea and Samaria? Who's your to the end of the earth? The more that you choose to love others, the more that you unify yourself with Christ, and the more that you are others-focused, live out with one another's, the more God does a healing in your life. You become less consumeristic. You become less self-focused. You become less consumeristic. I'm going to leave you with two questions tonight. They're going to stay up here just for a second as I talk through responsive stations with you. So if you want a picture of them, if you want to write them down, but they're going to be up here for a second. Two questions. And they're kind of wordy, but just stay with me. What do your relationships with other believers look like to others? What do people who don't love Jesus, don't know who he is, what do they think about how you treat other people within your church community? If I were to ask them, what do they think about how they treat people in your church? What would they say? Do they even know? Number two, what do your relationships with non-believers look like to people within your church? Dangerous uh, challenge, just ask one of us. Stories like Melissa, Doubting Thomas that David shared up here earlier tonight, they don't just happen. God does miraculous works in ways that sometimes we didn't ever see coming, right? But those are in spaces because 
David has chosen and Amy have chosen to be intentional. Their missional community has been intentional. So if you ask someone in Awaken, what does your relationship look like with non-believers pertaining to David's story tonight? They would say, looks like the good news being lived out. There are so many things tonight, whether it's the role that you play in this church, how you take one step into one another's, picking one person to love in these three areas, or to simply having a self-assessment tonight about these two questions. Pick one thing tonight, wherever you find yourself, and leave. And leave with a purpose and a mission that God is sending you out because I absolutely believe that we can accomplish more for the kingdom of heaven together than we ever could apart. We're not missional at Awaken because we have missional communities. We're missional because we do what Jesus called us to do. And if we're not going to do that, then let's not call it a missional church. If you want to do what Jesus actually said and go love on people, if you want to share a table with people, if you want to live out the one another's, then we can call this a missional church. Otherwise, we have these really cool small groups we call missional communities that are all internal focus, and we have a church service on Saturday nights. I so desperately want to see us embody these things. And guys, we are so close. I want you to leave here not with some condemnation from me, but from a place of hope. Because I truly believe in the people that are sitting here and those who aren't sitting here, that we can rally around the things that were talked about tonight and see something amazing happen, a spirit-led movement of community in Hampton Roads. But I can't do it alone. And I want you to feel that personal ownership over it. Not because I preached a good sermon, but because you believe in the Jesus work that's happening here in this church. And if we can do that, I guarantee you, in 2020, we will see some amazing things happen. But it starts with you answering the question, what's your role? Let's pray. Jesus, tonight as a church, we repent first and foremost for thinking at times that we're missional and we're not for not actually going out and living the authentic commands of Jesus. God, cause us as a body of believers to become healthy. Help cause us as a church to lean into what it means to be a healthy church. God, I so desperately want to see these one another's lived out throughout our community. I want to hear stories of how people in the Jerusalems, the Judean Samarias, and to the ends of the earth are, are finding practical ways of loving each other, are embodying that love that you say in the very beginning comes all from you. God, tonight for those who feel like their role isn't important, God, I pray you would just wrap your arms around them and they would be reminded that they are a son or a daughter of the king. That you love them. That you have given them permission to go out and to carry that good news. 
that they are cherished in your eyes and that they are cherished in this church family. In Jesus' name, amen.